Hi guys, welcome back to the show. So recently I got to have a little bit of a celebrity moment. Not really, not really, but I was in, in style magazine and barely in, in style. So let me tell you this story. Oftentimes I get requests for interviews, magazines, or news articles. And this one happened to come in from InStyle and I was so excited. I mean, this is like a magazine that I remember my mom reading and having stacks and stacks of them all around the house. And the first time I was in women's health magazine, you know, doing a quote or a story on direct consumer hormone testing, I was so excited. I went out and bought like five copies. Now I don't even know where they are. Anyways, so I got the request to do the InStyle magazine about um, hair, skin, and nail changes in the menopause transition. And me and the editor had this amazing conversation. She was, you know, talking to me about her experience and just like, why do we not talk about this? Like basically what I talk about every single day. We had this really awesome, long, detailed conversation. Anyways, the magazine article came out recently and I made a whopping one sentence in InStyle. Yes, one sentence. Anyways, today's episode is going to be all about hair and skin, a little bit about nails too, why they change at menopause. And we're going to kind of go off that article that I uh, was in that was published in InStyle recently. And I'm excited to get into it. So let's do it. Welcome to Health by Heather Hirsch, a podcast dedicated to uncovering many of the women's health issues many of us are wondering about, but few of us are talking about. My mission is to expose the current gaps in knowledge and care on all things women's health. Enjoy. So welcome, welcome, welcome. There is a lot going on in the world in terms of women's health, and you probably know what I'm talking about, a little bit about Texas, and just... The way that women's bodies are politicized is nothing new. I'm going to do a separate episode on this topic, not about that in particular, only because there's so many people that are covering it that you don't need another voice. You don't need another cook in the kitchen on that. But it, it what it has brought up for me is the idea of women's bodies being politicized. It is something that is so common, so deeply ingrained, and to me, is all about midlife and menopause. There's a ton of parallels of reproductive health and reproductive rights, of which we traditionally think about contraception and pregnancy, but that, to me, definitely spill into midlife. So I'm going to be talking about that in the next episode, but today we're going to talk about something light and airy and fun, which is skin and hair changes throughout the menopause transition. Now, a while ago, I did a YouTube video. If you don't follow me on YouTube, it's Health by Heather Hirsch. Oh, and I've decided to change the name of my podcast back to Health by Heather Hirsch. I've been like toying around with the idea of changing the name of the podcast. So if you're really creative in that way, or if you're a graphic designer and you want to help me out, send me a DM on Instagram. I'm at hormone.health.doc or at Heather Hirsch MD. I've got to figure that whole thing out because I sort of have two accounts. But anyways, 
I first started my YouTube channel at the beginning of the pandemic. I was kind of bored and needed another outlet. I don't know why, but I did. And one of the very first videos I shot was on hair changes. And it was like six minutes long. And this was really my infancy stages of YouTube. Arguably, I'm still in. But it was a six-minute video that just went absolutely viral. And anytime I post about hair on Instagram or YouTube, everyone's all about it. Because it is one of the biggest things that women tell me that is bothersome to them is hair changes and then skin changes, whether, you know, for hair, it's thinning of hair, change in hair texture or bald spots. And for skin, whether it's just like that loss of youthfulness, it's the onset of wrinkles. It's, uh, you know, the sensitivity of the skin. It's the dryness of the skin. It's the dryness everywhere. And so I want to start by tackling that. Now, the article that I was in in InStyle is a really great article. If you want to check it out, you can check it out on InStyle.com or of course, get the old school magazine. And it was a great article entitled like what to do with all your WTF symptoms. And they went through some of my, or some of the uh, editors, you know, products that she really likes and some of the different things that are on the market. You know, as I always say, I'm overprotective of my women in their forties, fifties and beyond because we do get marketed to so harshly, particularly by the beauty industry. And as we sort of start talking about metrics of beauty, skin and hair today, which are cultural metrics of beauty, it's okay. It's okay that you care about those. It is a-okay. It is more than okay. But I also want you to balance that with the fact that youthfulness is a construct and there is the idea of not anti-aging, but aging gracefully that I think you should wrap your mind around is the fact that our bodies will change. Menopause is natural. Doesn't mean that we shouldn't help symptoms if you have them, but it is natural. It is evolutionary. There is a basis for this and our body is going to change. And let's Embrace that at the same time as still feel beautiful, whatever that means for you. All right, let's talk about why. Why does skin change? Why does hair change? All right, let's start with skin. Fun fact, skin is the largest organ in the body. Isn't that kind of cool? We don't think about skin as an organ, like we think of hearts or kidneys or things that like, if you were a surgeon, you could just hold in your hand, but skin is definitely the largest organ. And something I say consistently throughout most of my podcasts, where we're talking about the menopause transition is that as you go through the menopause transition, the estrogen that's made from your ovaries is going to decline until you reach menopause menopause is defined as 12 months since your last period in where your estrogen level goes to anywhere from about zero to 20, pretty much zero. So it's just think like you really just don't make any or that much estrogen, maybe like a 1% of what you made pre menopausally. And a misconception is that after menopause symptoms that you might have are going to like be done or go back to normal. And that's a really important myth to demystify because once you are postmenopausal, you are always postmenopausal. You are not going to start making estrogen again. So hair and skin and nails are all 
very much affected by estrogen and then hence very much affected by the loss of estrogen. So estrogen plays a big role in our skin. Estrogen helps with skin thickness. That's why when we lose estrogen, your skin gets thinner. And that's that thinness is a reason that oftentimes we can see either aging spots more or wrinkles. Estrogen also impacts the level of moisture of your skin, of your tissue, and hence the water content of your tissue. And so therefore, as you lose estrogen and you lose some of that moisture, there's not as much of a a high percent of water content in your your, your skin. It's going to impact the skin quality. And then over time too, as we age, there are other things that have affected our skin quality. And those things can be mostly environmental. So sun, obviously, that's why, you know, everyone's number one anti-aging or aging gracefully thing is wear sunscreen, wear sunscreen as, you know, as soon as you can wear sunscreen and make it your best friend and find one that's not going to make your skin break out. And other environmental things can certainly decrease the quality of our skin as we age. So if you're a smoker, if you um, drink a lot of alcohol, perhaps unhealthy foods, but I don't really want to make it so that I think there's bad foods and good foods, but they, you know, alcohol or smoking creates a state of oxidative stress in your body. And that oxidative stress is what goes on to kind of age your skin, essentially. And then there's genetic factors. So genetics plays a role in just your baseline level of collagen or how much your skin absorbs moisture. And so environment, lifestyle, genetic factors, and then hormones are all going to play a big role in your skin. So hormones is really kind of what the angle I'm coming at it from, because you're going to lose your estrogen as you go through the menopause transition. Estrogen, of course, if we think back to collagen, is going to cause some more collagen deficiency and collagen atrophy is going to increase skin's extensibility and and decrease its elasticity. That's, again, why we can get more wrinkles or why our face doesn't look so full, hence why people get fillers. Um, It's going to have that appeal, that look of youthfulness if you get fillers by, you know, decreasing the elasticity and making it look firmer. And so collagen atrophy is a big reason we can get skin changes from the loss of estrogen. It's another big reason a lot of people tout collagen replacement. And a lot of people tell me they take collagen supplements or ask me if um, collagen is something they should be taking. And it's certainly a personal choice. There is no data or research to show that collagen is harmful. So for that I feel as though it is definitely a choice of yours. There's many different products on the market. There's many different kinds. There's, you know, oral, there's some that are in food. There's some that's in waters and whatever you like, as long as you find that it's worth the finances of paying for it. Because again, I do not want you to be taken advantage of by a product that's promising youthfulness. And as long as you find that it is somewhat effective, you know, then fine. I think collagen is absolutely a fine and nice supplement for many people. When we lose estrogen as well, and we lose some of that collagen or we have collagen atrophy, that can be another reason why we get more sensitivity. So a lot of people will notice rashes, you know, throughout the menopause transition or really sensitive skin, which they never had before. And the big change is the loss of estrogen is the hormonal changes. And um, it can also be a reason that there can be 
dry skin that leads to flaky skin, you know, something that's uh, something that's really troublesome, annoying, even if you will. And, and that all kind of circles back to that effect of, you know, collagen atrophy, losing moisture in the tissue. And so what happens when we lose our estrogen? Now, so you might be thinking, well, what about replacing estrogen? Well, yeah, hormone therapy will certainly improve your skin. Is it FDA approved for that? No. Uh, does that mean that it's something that you can't use just for skin? Well, you know, here's the here's how I come correct. When I see patients in my clinic, almost 100% of the time, there is some other symptom for which hormone therapy is indicated. Let's say it's hot flashes, it's night sweats, it's severe genitourinary syndrome of menopause. And, you know, as we're talking about skin, that that very same process is similar and pretty much more like an extensive thing. That's what's happening in the vaginal tissue and the vagina. And that's why, you know, a lot of these apply to GSM, but we're going to keep GSM or genital urinary syndrome of menopause for another podcast. Um, but someone usually has at least one or more or osteopenia of those symptoms that FDA approved hormone therapy is indicated for them. And then it will also help with their skin and their hair and their nails. So hormone therapy is going to help by increasing that collagen concentration again and increasing that dermal thickness, increasing the uh, hydration and elasticity of the tissue, decrease that depth of wrinkles, and maybe decrease pore size. And so all of those things can lead to skin looking much firmer and more hydrated. So what if you don't want to take hormone therapy? What if there was like an estrogen facial cream? There's not. <laughs> um, and I certainly wouldn't recommend like, you know, smearing EMs on your face. That's just not, it's just not a thing. Please do not do that. Please, 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 please. But certainly there are many products on the market that can help, you know, from doing nothing to using hormone therapy. And I am not a bona fide dermatologist, you know, a lot of times people will use retinol, retin-A creams, and those can be very effective because they can do some of these processes as well to help the skin look more hydrated and to help reduce wrinkle depth and to make it look firmer. And there's lots and lots of other things that certainly can be done that's cosmetic. And that's way above my like pay grade and way above my head. I, I, I don't know about that because certainly that's really past the point of where as a clinician, I intervene. I don't do anything cosmetic, um, and I don't think there's anything wrong either way. It's just not my area of expertise. So I will, I will. I was going to say leave it to the expert. Maybe I should have an expert on. So maybe I should sort of search for a dermatologist or or someone who does cosmetic procedures uh, to talk about the effects of that in women in midlife. If you're interested in that, DM me at hormonedihealth.doc and let me know. And especially if you have any suggestions or recommendations, or to you, definitely let me know because we need more guests on the show. So, you know, short tangent, I really want to have more guests on the show, but I'm so busy. I'm so busy. I took a short break from recording over the summer. I'm building up my new course, the Reclaiming Menopause Masterclass um, for women who are really suffering, symptomatic and confused and stuck with their provider. And that is taking up a lot of my time. I also started doing some stuff on TikTok. I've been doing more YouTube videos. And so I'm so sorry, my baby, my podcast, my first love, my first creation, because I did take a couple of weeks off in the summer. 
And I would love to get more guests back on. Um, and I am working on that. I'm working on that behind the scenes to, to figure out how I can get uh, just the most entertainment and the most stuff to you guys, because I know you guys love this show and I love it too. It's, it's, it's like a labor of love. I just, I, you know, it's, it's been so fun. And so thank you. Thank you for being so patient, patient with me. So back to skin and hormone therapy there, you know, the other issue is that there's just not a lot of research. There's very few clinical trials looking at the efficacy of hormone therapy on skin quality. And that sucks. Point blank. You know, there should be studies on these things. These are important metrics and quality of life issues for women. And certainly we know from the small number of studies that we do have that it is helpful. So I'm hoping that, you know, certainly by this show, we're raising awareness, we're raising advocacy, and we are demanding better. And as mentioned, the same type of processy that happens to skin, you know, certainly as you've been listening, you're probably thinking about facial skin, but certainly can be in similar mechanisms to things that cause the biochemical changes in the vaginal tissue that can cause, you know, vaginal atrophy, atrophic vaginitis, vulvodynia, genitourinary syndrome of menopause, lichen sclerosis, and more. So this stuff is not trivial. Now under here, we know that the loss of estrogen is one of the big reasons that can lead to changes in hair, whether it's balding spots, or thinning. Now, it is normal to lose some amount of hair a day. And if you look this up, normal is around 100 hairs per day. I mean, I don't know who actually counts. And abnormal is greater than 150 hairs per day. But either way, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beg to differ that if you're losing hair, you're probably not counting because you're probably pretty stressed out about it. it. It is something that is so commonly a big, big thing for women who come to see me. And, you know, I always say people feel so nervous about listing that as their biggest issue or their biggest priority. And I just want you to know, again, for the record, it's okay for that to bother you. It can lead to a loss of self-esteem. It can lead to a change and a big shift in your identity as who you are. It can certainly change, you know, how you, even your clothes fit or your makeup looks or your routines that you do on a daily basis or all the supplements that all of a sudden you're starting to buy. So it is okay. And there are certainly things that can be done. Now, again, from the perspective of a menopause doctor, let's look at how estrogen can, you know, change hair. So certainly menopause can influence those hair patterns it can influence your hair growth rate, the diameter, and the growth of the frontal scalp. And that's where people will certainly sort of, you know, pull their hair back or if, you know, they'll say, I don't wear headbands anymore, or you can see how, how that hairline has receded. And it is so, you know, worrisome to, to most people. This starts around mid to late forties. If you're going to go through natural you know, menopause, the average age is 51. Again, I see people of all different ages. There are some things that you should start by checking in your lab work because hair loss can be related to 
other common endocrinopathies and medical phenomenons. So certainly have your doctor check a couple of things. The first is a zinc level. Low zinc can lead to hair loss or female pattern balding. Check those iron levels and iron stores and not just iron, but also ferritin levels. Uh, Low ferritin can be problematic and sometimes replacing that can help with the accelerated growth of the hair. You want to also check a vitamin D. Make sure that if your vitamin D is low, you're supplementing that. It's so easy to do and it could help. And definitely checking a thyroid. Uh, A lot of times uh, people almost like hope it's their thyroid because then they can point to something and easily fix it. If that's what it is, that's what it is. It's easy to make sure that you, uh, if that's what it is, you don't miss that. So someone should check a thyroid panel. I do recommend a TSH and a free T4 because you could have what's called subclinical hypothyroidism where your TSH looks normal, but your T4 is not. And so sometimes rearrange, you know, checking both of those and then, you know, getting that TSH optimally around 2.5 or lower can really help some people. And of course, check your estrogen level. You know, if you're already postmenopausal, you know that uh, it could be one of the first signs of perimenopause into the per- into the menopause transition. So certainly you could use an estrogen level. It's not going to be something that you hang your hat on, but as I'm going through labs, certainly that's one that you could check. Now, just like we talked about for skin, there can certainly also be environmental and genetic factors and environmental factors can be something just as obvious as stress. Yes. Stress can cause hair thinning and hair loss. Another environmental thing is, especially if your hair is back a lot or is in a net, those things put a lot of tension on hair. And even if when you were younger, that didn't cause hair loss, anything that can put tension on the hair can cause hair shedding and hair loss. So I always say, if this is something that you're noticing that's bothersome to you, which it almost always is, avoid putting your hair in ponytails, avoid putting your hair back, avoid heating your hair, avoid over washing your hair, over brushing your hair even, because all of those are tension on the scalp, which can cause the hair to get thin and fall out. So you definitely want to think about environmental factors, certainly genetics, things in your genetics are just totally out of your control, but certainly it can be a genetic environmental or other medical conditions. Sometimes other medications that you're taking can cause hair loss. Even if you've been taking them for a long time and you haven't noticed hair loss, it can all of a sudden cause this issue. So make sure someone really smart is going through your medication list. Another really big important one that I talk about all the time is that a super therapeutic level of testosterone can cause hair loss. So perk your ears up if you are taking testosterone. Now, testosterone can rise naturally if you have or had suffered with polycystic ovarian syndrome. In PCOS, there's an imbalance of estrogen and progesterone leading to more testosterone and more testosterone or androgens can cause hair loss. But if you are taking testosterone as a medication or especially in a pellet injection, because they are very, very well known for doing this, that can be the major reason you're getting your hair loss. So, you know, when I talked about those labs, I didn't say testosterone, add testosterone in, you know, if you have a history of PCOS, uh, if you're taking a pellet injection. Very often I see women on pellet injections with male levels of testosterone and their hair is going to be falling out and is definitely going to be from that testosterone. So, and if that's you, and if that's the case, you just have to let that testosterone naturally float down and it can take a while and hair growth takes time, like months 
And one of the biggest things that all my colleagues in dermatology tell me about hair to tell women and to expect is it to grow very slowly. Some other nice options to add for hair is to increase your biotin, perhaps make sure you're getting some iron and zinc. Those can all help. So there's certainly foods that are good for hair and pretty much the same stuff for nails is what applies when you lose estrogen. It certainly can decrease the strength of your nails, the thickness of your nails, and that can be one reason why they chip or they break. Or even for me, I have a crack in one of my nails and it's, it's been there for many, many years and it 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 always annoys me and makes me feel inferior as if, as if. So anyways, that is the lowdown on the changes that the decline in estrogen can have on hair and skin. Does it mean that this is automatically going to happen, that this is going to be so severe that it's unfixable or that it's going to affect your quality of life, or your self-esteem? No, for many people it can, and it doesn't have to. This was supposed to be a little bit of background and information on how those changes happen, and also to kind of toot my own horn that I got one sentence in InStyle Magazine. Thank you guys so much for listening into the podcast. If you love this show, please give it a review or some stars on whatever platform you listen to your podcasts. I'm so excited to be back in the swing of things with new episodes every week. And thank you so much for your continued support. Again, if you don't follow me on Instagram, please do. I'm at hormone.healthdoc.doc because I let you guys weigh in on a lot of these topics. And if you love like visual content, check out my YouTube health by Heather Hirsch. Thank you guys so much. And I will be back next week with a brand new episode. Bye everyone.